Once again, thank you um, uh, for inviting me to participate this afternoon, and uh, thank you to the uh, four speakers so far. I don't know how I felt about being the fifth of five, but you're still here, so I'll, I'll attempt to keep you awake. And uh, I, I've, I've deliberately made this presentation text light, so you can just kind of look at the visuals rather than having to read bullet points. Um, my focus today is on, um, as we've been talking about, um, this continuing, uh, continuing the theme of complexity uh, between these so-called um, the binaries, this, this academic practitioner, and we've had various different interpretations of, of what those roles mean um, and what that complexity uh, means, what the challenges and, and the... Um, I'm going to talk particularly today about the uh, opportunities I think that it's afforded me um, in, in, my, in my work. So, um, a bit of time travel. Uh, here we are in January 2016. Um, my role at the moment, I work at uh, Birmingham City University. And my job title is um, Research Fellow Stroke Project Manager, which is, doesn't mean I stroke project managers. Uh, I, am, I am both. I have a dual role. Um, and uh, I'm the uh, Research Fellow and Project Manager for Athena Swan, in that university. There's a lot of nodding going on, enthusiastic nodding. Is anyone not aware of what Athena Swan is? Shall I explain? Explain. Okay. Um, <coughs> Athena Swan is a, is a gender equality charter mark. Um, it's a national scheme um, for higher education. Um, so, so I'm responsible for kind of implementing that programme at, at BCU, but also picking up on uh, research opportunities within that around gender equality and organisational um, experiences really. So uh, it's quite a unique role actually I think. I, I haven't heard of anyone with the same role within the Athena Swan programme um, so, so I, feel, I feel very happy to be, to be doing that role. And it also means um, that I, I, I do get to do research, although at different times I'll be doing more or less research. And uh, I, do, I have found myself at the age of 50 as an early career researcher. So my mother is finally proud of me, so I have to say. Um, but uh, it's an interesting, I'm in an interesting place. I'm a non-teaching academic at Birmingham City University, and I tend even to be involved in project management rather than people management, although I do have to do quite a lot of working, obviously working with, with people in the university, but it's hard to, do, you know, it's a role that's hard to define. Um, a year ago, January 2015, I was um, a full-time PhD uh, student, a full-time doctoral researcher um, with Birkbeck um, University of London and I was completing a thesis, I was in the, in the throes of writing up my thesis on um, um, mature part-time students, retention and belonging which is also a word that we've heard mentioned, mentioned here um, today. If we go back a little bit further to January 2011, at that point I was a senior widening participation project manager um, at the University of the West of England um, in Bristol. And um, in that role I was working with um, lifelong learning um, in, 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 all, in many forms, with mature students, with vocational students, with part-time students, um, and with the organisation and, and individual um, faculties um, uh, all, in, in different in in, in, a, in a number of different projects, um, and I think in that role, I suppose you could say that was the role where I was um, what Celia Whitchurch calls a third space um, professional. So these are unbounded 
blended professionals working between academic and <coughs> and professional domains, um, often quite specialised in what in what they're doing, um, and that was that was a really a very interesting place to be, um, and and I was. Um, I worked in the, I worked in that role for for six years, and then if we go back ten years, a decade ago, January two thousand and six, I was working at the University of Bristol, and I was a program manager and lead tutor in a ESF funded um, training program, which was bringing people back, mature people back into education and and, and into employment. So you could say, I suppose that um, you could say, okay, so that means you've had a trajectory from a practitioner to an academic. Um, and, in, and some people might think that that was, was the case, but I think as I've already started to imply, actually it's much more, it's been much more complex than that. And actually throughout that time, while I was a widening participation practitioner, I was also, um, I was publishing, I was attending conferences, I was um, doing institutional research. For a period of time I was an educational consultant. Um, and I was a student. I completed um, a PG uh, cert and a master's in education at that, during that period. Um, I know, I'm overqualified. <laughs> there isn't anything else to do. Um, so I've, I, things, it's, it's, been, it's very complex and it's very, it's very varied. So rather than it being a trajectory, I would say that actually what I've been doing during that time is occupying multiple spaces, mul multiple roles, multiple identities um, and I've if, if you like it's been a series of migrations around different universities different parts of the sector and different different uh, specialisms and to do that I've required a whole range of different skills and um, abilities and I've developed those skills and abilities and I've put some of them up and I don't know if that's readable um, project management problem solving creativity rigor writing research working autonomously and communication, um, but also planning, innovation, teamwork, presentation, attention to detail, people management, IT literacy, presentation, oh I said that twice, networking and critical thinking. Um, I've used those skills in all of my roles and I've, uh, some, some of them I've emphasised more um, than others um, at different times, but they've all, they've all been relevant, they're all they're all part of the same skill set, if you like, and, uh, and and they're all part of what makes me um, kind of who I am and, and what I am as a as a as an employee, really. So um, it's easy to become dazzled, I think, by the kind of bright lights of of the binary um, and of the you know academic on one side, practitioner on the other. But as my experience shows, I hope um, that the, these demarcations are very actually very simplistic. Um, and it is the spaces between that are much more complex and much richer, in fact. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm using that idea of spaces between to, to ca try and capture a bit of that complexity. So um, there's a nice picture for you to rest your eyes on. Um, we are working in, we work in a very complex space. Uh, higher education is, a, is incredibly complex, it's contested space. As a sector it's the subject of multiple reforms, um, it's highly stratified, uh, it's occupied by different disciplinary and professional tribes who talk different languages as, as, as we've also talked about today. Um, 
and and those kind of the, that complexity and fragmentation is is exacerbated by by this increasing kind of regulatory audited um, culture within within the sector. Peter Scott was writing in the Guardian um, just last week actually about this kind of rampaging sort of central control that's that's coming into the sector. Um, what he calls the um, lead tables and NSS frenzies um, going on in, in, in institutions. Um, and those can tend to exacerbate those differences between academic and, and practitioner and who's imposing what on who and who has what rights and who has what status. So we do work in a really wide and complex territory and, and what we do and, and how we're seen within that space is very relational. Um, it, it, it's also contested and it's based on relationships um, of power. Which brings me to my next slide, because power for me, when I was thinking about this presentation, power is absolutely key to this whole discussion. Um, as Tom was talking about what is the centre, what is at the centre of what we do, well, for me, power is at the centre of what I do. Um, it's, it's at the heart of widening participation, as far as I'm concerned. It starts, widening participation starts with inequality. Um, widening participation <coughs> practitioners, or certainly I, as a widening participation practitioner, was was committed to, in some small way, in, in my capacity to kind of redistribute power, to to change the balance of power in terms of access to higher education. Um, and another thing that Tom mentioned was that that thing about change. That's that's also what we do, or what what, what widening participation practitioners are key, are, are trying to do. They're trying to to create change. Um, and as a widening participation practitioner, that's a real mouthful, isn't it? I'll say WP practitioner, it's easier. As a WP practitioner, um, I was working with, as I've said, part-time students, vocational students, uh, work-based learning students, etc., um, etc. Et All people who were who were on the periphery, if you like, of of higher education, somewhere sort of, well, somewhere on the edge, one of those little balls on the edge there. Um, and as a widening participation practitioner myself, I was on the periphery of the institution. I wasn't part of this kind of um, the manic NSS thing. I wasn't part of the um, uh, it's it's bread and butter, if you like. I was I was on the edge. Um, in fact, someone once told me that my job title should be constant irritation um, because that's what I did in meetings. I just constantly irritated people, so they would talk about X or Y or Z, and I'd always be going. What about what about part-time students? What about mature students? What about vocational students? What about B techs, not A levels? What um, I did I did say what about quite a lot, and um, so so that was a difficult relationship within the institution, but it also gave me a certain freedom because I was operating on that margin where. I was getting other influences. I was working with other influences and bringing them into the institution. Obviously, not on my own. Obviously, in in, in a team of people. And in fact, it was when widening participation um, became started to become incorporated in my in that institution in UWE into marketing and into admissions that I knew it was time for me to leave because that was not for me what, what it was about. Widening participation for me was about social change and it was about changing things for individuals. It was not about institutional <laughs> admission rates, um, recruitment targets. Uh, uh, that, was, that was not me and, and so I couldn't work in that, in that context. Um, so 
nevertheless, that whole experience of working um, for some time in, in widening participation has now profoundly in influenced, I believe, my, my academic practice. Um, my, my thesis, my doctoral thesis, is about um, mature part-time students and um, belonging in higher education. And in fact, I critique that whole narrative of belonging in higher education in relation to those students, um, the, way, the way it's communicated, the way it's, it's um, uncritically, I think, um, talked about in higher education. My current role is focused on gender equality how gender relationships are playing out in the space of the institution. And um, uh, so I'm, uh, that's my interest. I'm interested in power. As I said, it's the centre of what I do. It was the centre of what I do. It still is the centre of what I do. Uh, and, and it's also shaped my academic voice, um, I think. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that when I get my voice back. So I don't think it's any accident that um, when I was uh, working on my thesis, a major theoretical influence for me was um, somebody called Doreen Massey, who some of you may have heard of. She's a, she's a geographer. And, and Doreen Massey has a, has a really interesting um, take on space, um, what, you know, theorising space, concepts of space. Um, Doreen Massey says that space is the product of social relations shaped by power. So you can see why I found that um, immediately um, kind of interesting. She's very interested in how space is, is something multiple. Um, it's, uh, it's constantly changing. It's not... It's not um, a petrified thing um, that that doesn't change, um, and my thesis, in fact, started off as a very as as a conventional social sciences um, case study on the impact of retention strategy on on mature part-time students. That's what I was um, kind of asked to to uh, research. Um, it ended up as something quite different. As I've said, it's ended up interrogating belonging in higher education through concepts of space and power. And um, it, it became um, quite interdisciplinary. Um, it's, I, I, um, I drew on uh, sociological and geographical, uh, on psychogeographical and psychosocial ideas um, and theories in my research. And I used an analysis which, a way of analysing data which deliberately paid attention to spaces in between, to, to the spaces in between different ideas, different theories, different theorists. Um, it's called a borderland analysis. And I'm pretty sure that um, that is partly because, as a widening participation practitioner, I worked across disciplines, I worked across institution, institution um, my own institution and with other institutions. Um, I, I've never been siloed into a particular faculty or a department, um, or I mean a, a, an academic department if you like. Um, I've always taken a, a quite a broad perspective. And so, um, so both in that way and through my research then, I've, I've, it's those spaces between that for me offer opportunity to explore uh, new territories, new ideas, uh, new practices, um, new ways, new ways of thinking. So finally, I just want to consider um, uh, the relationship of 
academic and practitioner um, in relation to my own institutional context at, at Birmingham City University. Um, I'm, I'm pretty new there, I've only been there since, um, since last July. Uh, Birmingham City uh, University, for those of you who don't know, um, used to be called the University of Central England. Prior to that it was um, Birmingham Poly. Um, prior to that it was a number of different colleges, technical colleges, uh, schools of art, etc the typical kind of picture um, that came together as, as, a, as the Polytechnic. So it's got a really strong practical heritage. Um, it calls itself research informed. Um, it languishes pretty low down the league tables um, but it's, it's, a very vibrant, it's a very vibrant place to work, a very interesting place to work, and it do, also does do some really interesting um, research and um, some very, in, in particular, specialist areas. Many staff at the university, I was quite surprised to find, are, are studying <coughs> PhDs, studying for PhDs. It's quite normal for, for, for certainly um, younger <coughs> staff to be studying PhDs. And there's a very empowering and supportive kind of um, uh, culture um, within the university towards that. Um, and I think that's quite impressive in, in, in the nature of the, you know, in view of the increasingly marketised, regulated kind of culture that we work in. But as I'm learning, that's it's really not without its tensions there. So you've got your academic and your practitioner playing off in a, in a slightly different way there, because a lot of people are coming from industry or business or, or whatever their specialism is, and then they're some of them are going now onto this sort of more um, strongly academic track, if you like. Um, and so that brings up tensions about status. You know, does it mean does this mean I'm I'm more important if I've if I'm a doctor? You know, if I've got a PhD, um, is that more important than my experience in industry? Um, and there's also real competition for resources, for funding, for time, um, and 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 for results. And so how those how those different um, individuals are positioned within the institution um, is is really interesting and something that I'm 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 still trying to kind of work out. As I've said at, at BCU, I I occupy this sort of in between territory um, with my kind of with my dual dual role. Um, but as an early career researcher, obviously I'm almost um, I'm pretty much on the lowest rung of the um, academic career ladder, although at my age I don't think my ladder's going to go very high, but that's fine. Um, I, uh, If I worked at the University of Birmingham, I suspect I would really, really be a bottom feeder. You know, I would really be kind of plankton on the on the seabed of, of, of the university, really. Um, at, university, uh, at Birmingham City University, I have extraordinary autonomy, I have great mobility, across the university. I'm able to um, develop uh, research projects, um, move around the university in a way that I don't know obviously because I'm not there but I doubt very much I'll be able to do at a, a more traditional um, university. And um, uh, for that reason, you know, I, I really feel um, that the binary of academic and practitioner is really redundant um, certainly in my case, and I'm sure I'm I'm not I'm not on my own. Um, and I think it's really important, therefore, that we consider these spaces in between, that what is shared and what is complementary between 
between the different roles, different functions, different identities, because there's a real something very distinctive about that um, space in between, something very rich. Um, certainly, as a as a practitioner, I always did practice slightly differently because I was always looking outside. Um, as an academic or in academic practice, I feel that I do academic practice differently because I've been a practitioner and because I have I have that sense. So. I think I think it is a case of really being able to bring research and practice and policy into dialogue, which again is something that, that you know this this whole day is about. So, thank you very much.